everybody, and welcome back to Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell, and today at noon Eastern time, the NFL's legal tampering window officially opened, creating the beginning of what will be a wild next 48 hours in the National Football League as free agency and the 2017 league year officially begin Thursday afternoon. And to break down all the latest scoops before the bewitching hour begins is our good friend, NFL insider Jake Marsing of 5280 Sports Network in Denver. Welcome back, Jake. Good to have you here. Hey, D. Crom, always good to talk to you. It's always good to talk to you, and you are my preferred guest at this time of year, um, as this is our second annual um, uh, free agency eve special, although we are last year we recorded it on the eve of free agency. This year we are exactly two nights before, but you get the picture. And uh, let's uh, begin with the elephant in the room, not just where you are in Denver, but around the National Football League as well, as a lot of fans are going to be interesting to see where a certain quarterback goes, and his name is Tony Romo, obviously. And I just wanted to know, what is the latest you're hearing on the Tony Romo situation? I've heard a lot of conflicting um, uh, reports out there, and the tea leaves are kind of hard to read at the moment. Uh, do you expect him to be released on Thursday, and where do you see him ending up? Well, that's kind of the the thing right now is that NFL teams are kind of in a holding pattern. There are several teams that are interested in Tony Romo if he comes at the right price. The Broncos have targeted somewhere between six to eight million dollars. They they may go higher, but six to eight is the number I keep hearing and uh, what they're willing to pay Romo. Kind of an incentive-laden contract if they bring him in. Uh, but he, they're not the only ones interested. The Houston Texans are also serious contenders. And the more that I, the, the more people I talk to, the more of a sense I get that, that Romo to the Broncos is not as much of a done deal as, uh, as some thought. Because partially, the Broncos' front office isn't entirely sold on the idea. Now, the Broncos' coaching staff is. That's where most of the Romo uh, thing has come from. Like, if you go back back in late January even, I was reporting, as were many other people, Benjamin Albright, Mike Kliss, were all reporting that at that point the Broncos didn't have much interest in Tony Romo. But as Vance Joseph and this coaching staff got a good long look, at this roster and these quarterbacks, they decided that they wanted another veteran option. So the Broncos are looking at Tony Romo and are very interested in Romo. The Houston Texans, however, are also interested in Romo, especially if they can get him on a good deal. And Romo is interested in Houston for a number of reasons, partially because it's a short drive from Dallas. He intends to still live in Dallas, uh, in the Dallas area. And he'd like to stay in the state of Texas if he can. He's got a third child on the way. It just makes sense for him. And secondly, Houston is not that far away. I mean, I think we've said this for the last several years, that if the Texans could just get competent to even maybe slightly above average quarterback play, they could be a pretty darn good football team. They've been a playoff team for the last two seasons without that kind of quarterback play, and they still have an opportunity to improve. So Houston is definitely interested, as is Denver. Now, if I had to make a guess right now, just kind of based on what I'm hearing and where the tea leaves sit, uh, it's going to take a few days for that to resolve itself, potentially not until early next week before we really kind of know where that is going to head. Uh, Romo may want to visit with teams that are interested in him. And, I, and I'm not entirely sure how interested the Broncos are 
and kind of putting together the dog and pony show that they did with Peyton Manning for Tony Romo, you know, the, the bring the guy in, fly him out on the team plane, all those kind of things. They're interested in Romo, but I don't know how interested they are. They, they certainly have a pretty hard limit on price and aren't willing to overpay. Uh, but if, if the numbers match up, I think, I think Denver is a likely landing spot as is Houston. Those are, those are the two teams that I'm looking at right now. Of course, that all depends on when Jerry Jones actually decides to make a move there. We heard during the combine that one of the, the rumors being tossed around in Indianapolis was a three-way deal with, uh, with Dallas, San Francisco, and Washington, where Roma would go to Washington, Cousins would go to San Francisco, and Dallas would get picks. Um, that, that seems to have kind of fallen away. But those deals are, are still certainly in the mix as a potential option. Uh, the, the Cowboys, I don't think, are entirely 100% sure what they're going to do quite yet. Um, they're going to listen to trade offers. I'm sure if something comes along with it that'll blow them away, they'll make that move. But, but everybody in the league knows that Romo's going to be available one way or another. So it's tough to get any kind of trade compensation when that's the case. Uh, it's kind of making a long story short here. It's a very complicated situation right now. But again, I expect Romo to either be a Denver Bronco or a Houston Texan. Those are the two teams that I look at. Uh, Now, the Texans obviously have the complicated Brock Osweiler contract, which makes things tough on them. And whether or not they're willing to eat that money is is another conversation. Um, We'll see. I don't think there's a perfect landing place for Romo. uh, And I don't think... Romo's a perfect fit for anybody. He has a lot. There are a lot of concern around the league about exactly what kind of production this guy is still capable of, and I, I suppose we will uh, find out come next season. We sure will, and uh, your um, uh, scoop lines up exactly um, uh, where I thought it was that the Broncos and Texans are going to be the main suitors for Tony Romo, and this will, this will take more than a few days to um, uh, to sort itself out. And uh, now let's focus on the uh, rest of the quarterback market. We obviously heard today that, um, and and as was reported by uh, by John Mullen here in Chicago, where I'm at, it's, uh, on CSN Chicago, that the Bears have absolutely zero competition for Mike Glennon. So it looks like he will be a Chicago Bear. But there are other quarterbacks that might hit the market, one being Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo. Do you think the Bills release him? Where do you think he ends up? Yeah, I think the Bills are going to be done with Tyrod Taylor uh, after this past season. I do expect him to become available. Again, either through the trademark. I mean, all these quarterbacks, because quarterbacks are such currency in the NFL, they're all going to be open to the trade market. Um, it's just a matter of, is there additional, uh, are there additional options for them? I, I don't know that there will be. Taylor's a guy who will get interest from teams. I mean, before he signed with Buffalo a couple of years ago here in Denver, they looked at him. There may even be some interest there if Romo falls through it, if they really are, are convinced that they want to go a different direction than the two quarterbacks that Denver has on their roster. Uh, there, there are several other – excuse me, I have to take a drink. Uh, there are several other ro- landing spots for Romo uh, – for, for Romo, excuse me, where my head's been uh, – for okay. Tyrod Taylor that I think will sort themselves out in the next several days. I'm not quite sure exactly what the dollar figure on him is going to be, but there's definitely interest around the league in making him a starting quarterback next season. San Francisco could potentially have some interest uh, because they're going to, they're rebuilding at that position. They're starting from ground zero, but uh, Taylor is certainly a guy that a lot of teams are interested in. And I don't expect him to be a bill next season. 
Yes, and uh, reports have been leaking him to the Browns and the Jets in particular. And uh, and also, um, you mentioned San Francisco, and it w- has been reported by Benjamin Albright and I believe ESPN Radio in Washington, D.C., that it's a foregone conclusion that Washington will trade Kirk Cousins, who they placed under the exclusive rights franchise tag last week, to San Francisco. Um, and, and, and I believe exchange for some draft capital. Um, have you been hearing similar buzz? Uh, I know that he's been a part of several different trade uh, conversations and that San Francisco seems to be the place that's honing in on him. Uh, I can't necessarily speak to that being a done deal, but I, I wouldn't surprise me if it is. Uh, obviously, there's the, the connection there with Kyle Shanahan, who was a, a massive fan of Kirk Cousins while they were in uh, Washington, who's a big piece of, of Kirk Cousins becoming a starting NFL quarterback. And I think that, that having him there is obviously a, a big sign, and John Lynch is a fan of him as well. But I, I can't speak to that being a done deal yet. I think teams are, are still at the stage where they're looking at all options. Uh, Kirk Cousins, certainly, I think, if I were to, were to make a prediction, would wind up being a San Francisco 49er, but that exclusive rights franchise tag comes with a, a hefty dollar figure that you'd have to potentially re- renegotiate, and you'd have to know that Cousins is interested in that, and if he is, then then you pull the trigger on that deal. I know that there's interest. I know that that's been reported. I can't personally speak to that being a done deal, though. And there's uh, one more uh, quarterback on th- that could find a new home, and his name is Jay Cutler. And there's rumors uh, that linked him to the Jets and other rumors that linked him to retirement. Where do you see Jay Cutler ending up? Uh, I, I still think Jay Cutler plays next season, and the Jets seem to be the place that I hear most about, um, not just from, from reported in the media, but talking to people kind of around the league. The expectation right now is that Cutler is going to be made of is that obviously Cutler is going to be available and that he's going to wind up in New York. Uh, and if I, I yeah I, I don't see Jay retiring. I don't think that's going to be where he goes right now. He he um I think I think that's kind of come from the the attitude that most people think think of when they think of Jay Cutler, but. Jay Cutler is—he still loves football. He—he still—he still cares about the game. Still wants to play the game. I think New York will take a, a chance on him, assuming they can get a contract that makes sense. Uh, otherwise, you know, retirement isn't impossible. But but I, I do think the Jets is kind of the the likeliest landing spot for him right now. He is Jake Marsing, ladies and gentlemen, NFL insider for 5280 Sports Network in Denver. And once again, folks, keep in mind, this is a pre-recorded broadcast. So by the time you listen to it, a lot of the information that Jake has given us may change. And this is a fluid situation going on around the league. So just a little disclaimer to our viewers there. And let's move on to another market, which I believe is going to be very fascinating, the running back market. And what's interesting is that you have a lot of sexy names on the market this year, but you also have a draft class, a running back draft class with mammoth potential this year. So it might take a while before a lot of these big names are fine homes. And how do you see the running back market uh, shaping out, it, it, particularly Adrian Peterson? And it was just reported by Charles Robinson of uh, Yahoo that uh, his preferred destination is the Oakland Raiders with that uh, offensive line. Yeah, Adrian Peterson has a couple different options in front of him. I've heard New England as a potential landing spot for him. 
Uh, he, he, the report was, I think, from ESPN this morning that he'd be willing to take a pay cut there. I had heard kind of similar things. Uh, Oakland makes sense for him. Adrian Peterson's going to have a landing spot. I think New England or, or, or Oakland is kind of where things are lining up for him right now. But there could be a potential third team that I've kind of heard whispers about. I haven't quite identified who that is, but there's another team that has interest in potentially paying out. But you, you mentioned a great point, Decom, and that's the, the thing that these teams are going to have an issue with. Running back needy teams near the top of the draft aren't going to pay Adrian Peterson. They're not going to pay any of the other running backs in this free agent class because why would you spend money on a guy who's in his 30s when you could get a guy who's in his early 20s and is potentially a better player right now? Like Adrian Peterson is, is, a, is a great player. He's a Hall of Fame player, but he's not the same Adrian Peterson that he, that he was, say, three, four, five years ago. Uh, and, and teams recognize that with a with a draft class that is as loaded as this one is at running back, especially high uh, with Cook, Fournette, McCaffrey. Uh, I think a lot of teams are going to be very hesitant to pay running backs a big amount of money. So backs like Peterson are going to have to understand that when they go into the market, that they're going to have to take significantly less this year than they would have in other years. And that's going to be tricky. And that kind of makes things in flux, right? Like, I can tell you that I've heard Adrian Peterson to to the Patriots as kind of one place he'd like to go. I've also heard the Raiders is one place he'd like to go, like you reported. But it's tough for me to say exactly where things line up because the, the running back market is going to be so fluid. And teams will come in late. I think running back is going to be one of those positions that takes a little while to totally become crystal clear as guys and agents start working out dollar figures that make the most sense. I completely agree, Jake. And uh, before we move on to the um, uh, offensive line uh, market, uh, some other intriguing names that are probably going to hit the open market are LeGarrette Blount, who had a touchdown heavy season this past year for the world champion Patriots. Jamal Charles, who I unfortunately believe is on his last legs, but will get at least one more shot elsewhere. Eddie Lacy and Latavius Murray. When do you expect the first of those dominoes to fall? And that doesn't include Adrian Peterson. Well, I think we're going to have news on at least one of those guys as soon as the new league year happens uh, on Thursday. Because uh, there are they are talking. I know that LeGarrette Blunt is having conversations uh, with teams, the Patriots have some interest in bringing him back, but they're kind of seeing where, where, where things line up in the rest of the market. Uh, there are some other teams that have interest in him. Jamal Charles is not get, he's not garnering a lot of interest, um, which isn't totally surprising considering his injury history and kind of where he's at in his career. He's going to have to take a pretty low dollar incentive lace deal if he wants to wind up on a team. But I think he will wind up somewhere. It's just going to take a little bit of time for him to get sorted out. But Blunt is a guy that I think will we will know about on Thursday. Um, I know that, that his folks are, are talking with teams pretty openly right now and have been since the tampering deadline opened uh, at 10 a.m. Mountain Time for me this afternoon. Uh, and that's going to be something that – that's going to be a conversation that, that continues to go on over the next several Several hours and I expect us to hear about Garrett Blunt potentially being the first guy that we know of. Uh, he'd like to go back to New England, but it's just a matter of kind of, again, how the rest of the running back class shakes out and how New England decides they want to spend their money. New England is very interested in adding a receiver. You heard the reports about 
Brandon Cooks, uh, their interest in him, they want to get bigger at that position. Uh, they feel like adding a uh, adding a guy who can can be a downfield threat is something that their offense is missing and something that their offense was missing uh, last season. So, and they've thought that for quite a while that if they can add kind of one bigger target for them in the passing game, it'll help them a lot. They're willing to spend money there, uh, so that kind of depends on where things where things fall for them there. Uh, otherwise, I think there are there are several kind of dominoes that have to fall uh, for them to, to for them to be able to spend money effectively. Uh, but yeah, Laguerre Blunt's the guy that I, I think we'll hear from first, Decrom. Thank you very much once again, Jake. And now moving on to the offensive line market, and unlike the uh, running back market, which you, uh, which teams are going to hesitate to pony up on because of this uh, stellar running back draft class. Uh, this year's offensive line draft class, aside from maybe two people, I, I like the only two I'm thrilled about are Ram, Ryan Ramchick from Wisconsin, Forrest Lamp of West Kentucky. After those two, it's kind of like a pick your poison. I'm not kidding. So, and the offensive line free agent market is just as thin. And I would argue that the vast majority of teams are in need of some sort of offensive line help this year. So the supply is very low, but the demand is super high. So several of these guys are going to get overpaid, dare I say. And uh, what can you tell us about uh, how you see the offensive line market shaking out and some potential landing spots for the hottest names on the market, including guys like uh, DJ Fluker, who was unexpectedly released today? Yeah, DJ Fluker's release has kind of thrown a kink into this. NFL teams established their free agency plans several days or weeks out in advance with kind of an understanding of how things are going to line up. The teams didn't really know about Fluker until late, uh, until just before he was released. And it's thrown a kink into some into some teams' perceptions of what this, this class is going to be. Because Fluker can still play. Fluker is, like, I, I always say that the best way to build an NFL team is through the draft. Because in free agency, you're getting somebody's trash, right? You're getting a player somebody didn't want to pay. Which means that he's not an elite player. He's a B to B plus player at best that you have to hope can become an A player for you, but you're going to have to give him an A-plus contract, which is the way free agency works. It's the way free agency has always worked. And it's why teams that typically spend a ton of money in free agency don't have a lot of success. Now, here in Denver, the Broncos have been a counterexample to that. Uh, they, they, they ponied up in free agency in 2014, and it helped them a lot. But you're right, D. Crump. This offensive line class, both in the draft and in free agency is really bad with one exception. I think the free agent guard group is is getting a lot of respect uh, and is looked at across the league as that's a pretty good unit of players. Now, the tackle class is a different conversation. Like The Broncos have spent most of today talking with their own free agents, including Russell Okung, who by most accounts is all of a sudden the best available free agent tackle because most people <laughs> that I talk to expect Andrew Whitworth to go back to Cincinnati. And even if he wasn't, he's, you know, maybe got two more years left, maybe. And I don't think teams were real thrilled about the idea of paying him a big money contract. Uh, so O'Connell all of a sudden is a popular man. And once again, he's doing this without an agent, which I think is a mistake, but nobody really totally. knows what O'Connell's market is going to be. Until because teams can't tamper with him, teams, teams can't talk to him until the new league year starts. So nobody knows because he doesn't have an agent. 
and nobody knows, so nobody really knows what Okung's market is going to be, and he could be the guy who potentially winds up setting the market, uh, which is a problem when they can't openly negotiate with him because he doesn't have representation. And that kind of throws everything, that, that throws everything for a loop in the tackle class. Now, I've heard guys that you've ne- that, that even you, Decrom, may have never heard of who could wind up getting big money deals, relatively speaking, at tackle because there is so much supply. I mean, excuse me, so much demand and so oh, little man. supply that guys are going to have to get paid. And the issue here, too, is that, like you said, Every team has a different kind of understanding of this tackle draft class, and they each have their own guys who they kind of like. Like, some guys still like Cam Robinson. Personally, I, I like Cam Robinson, too. I think Cam Robinson can be a player, a bit of a hand puncher, needs to work on his feet, but I like his frame. Uh, there are other guys who, who like Forrest Lamp, like you said, Garrett Bowles, uh, Ramscheck out of Wisconsin. But kind of everybody's universal opinion is that there may be two guys, pick your poison, there may be two guys in the tackle class worth taking in near the top of the draft. And if that's the case and you need offensive line help, you're kind of screwed. And the Broncos are in that situation right now too, where they've got a tackle group on their roster that really is not built for the scheme they're about to go into. Like Ty Sambrila, who I have been someone still high on, who I think can still be a player for somebody he really is a tackle fit for his zone blocking scheme for a guy who is going to pull, be athletic, use his feet, not necessarily use his hands and his upper body because that's not where his strengths lie. And all of a sudden, he's maybe the, because Okung's off the roster, he's maybe your second or third best tackle on your roster if you're the Broncos, and that puts you in a tough spot. So you have to go out and overpay there. And I think that somebody's going to have to make a decision about exactly how they want to handle that. And I think teams are going to absolutely look to overpay guys uh, in the tackle and guard market. Uh, The guard market's a little bit easier to overpay because, like I said, it's a better group. But it's definitely an issue right now where nobody has a firm understanding on exactly what the market's going to be. And there are players that could blow the market absolutely out of the water Meanwhile, the guy who most people I talk to regard to regard as the best free agent tackle in Russell Okung, uh, which, by the way, is not saying much because Okung was not good last season. Uh, he's got he, – he would theoretically set the market, but nobody's quite sure what his market is because he's making the terrible mistake of going through this process again without an agent. Yes, and I believe that other tackle you're referring to is Ricky Wagner, who, as uh, NFL Network's Mike Garofolo reported this morning, is expected to, quote, blow the lid off the right tackle market. So so Ricky Wagner is going to get a monster contract, and it's going to create chaos there. So uh, fasten your seatbelts, folks. And once again, he is NFL insider Jake Marsing of 5280 Sports Network in Denver. And now let's uh, move on to the uh, wide receiver market for a little bit. You got some interesting names available. Obviously, we have Sean Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson. But a name that I uh, that, that has been kind of shocking to me as of late that he's even in this category is Terrell Pryor. Everybody thought that Cleveland would want to keep him given how he played last year with the subpar quarterback play. But it looks like he's going to hit the market and the Browns aren't willing to pay him $10 million a year, which I think is a bargain in the, today's wide receiver market. Uh, where do you think Terrell Pryor ends up? Yeah, Terrell Pryor's about to get paid. Um, 
Pryor has a lot of different options uh, available to him. And the thing with the Browns is, Decom, you remember how many wide receivers the Browns took in the draft last year? I think they took uh, four. Yeah, I think they, four or I think, five. I think they took four or five receivers, uh, including Corey Coleman near the top of the draft, and including uh, just a guy here, Richard Higgins from CSU. Yep. But when you take that many receivers at a certain position, you're investing because you don't think you have a good group. So needless to say, uh, he was a surprise uh, to 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 the Browns. And the emergence that Terrell Pryor had this season surprised them. They weren't expecting to have to pay him at that position. And then all of a sudden, they do not only have to pay him, but they potentially have to pay him number one wide receiver money, which is not what they were expecting. They were expecting that they were going to have a cheap receiver group for the next three to four years, and they could build elsewhere. So prior doesn't necessarily make sense for them in the big picture uh, in terms of how they want to spend their money. They want to build They want to find a quarterback. I think they're going to find one in this draft, finally. Uh, that, that's a conversation for another day, even though they have the number one overall pick. I, I think a move might get made there. Um, we're gonna, uh, they're gonna, they're gonna look to fix a lot of the issues, which would be a mistake for them, by the way, but that's a conversation for another day when we talk about the draft. Uh, that is going to be a fundamental issue for them in terms of how they want to structure their salaries. So they, they see Corey Coleman as a guy who can be a, a long-term fixture for them as their one, and they want to be able to pay him down the road. He was injured a lot in his rookie season. He had a hand injury. But early in the year, he was pretty good for them, and they think he can grow and develop, continue to get better under Hugh Jackson and, and see kind of where things line up. Uh, but Terrell Pryor is going to command number one money, and they don't want to pay him number one money. They don't see him as their long-term number one when some team when some teams around the league do, and that's just how it's going to wind up. I can't necessarily say who's going to be uh, the number one suitor for him right now. I haven't talked to his people. Uh, but I know that there are teams that are certainly going to be interested in his services as a number one wide receiver which if you had told me that three, four years ago when he was still trying to figure out what position he was in the NFL, I would have been surprised by. But the guy is a freaky athlete uh, who's developed in that position nicely and I think is going to be a good player there for somebody for several years. I do not think it's going to be Cleveland as of right now. Now, they still they still might be able to get over that and pay him if they can find a dollar figure that makes sense. But Pryor's not going to get paid. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's floated around the league for as long as he has playing quarterback, and then all of a sudden he's got an opportunity to finally get a big payday? You kidding me? He's going to look to get everything that he can out of this, and rightfully so. I think he's about to get big-time money. Most definitely, given uh, that rare uh, height-speed combination that he has going for him, uh, he's a freak athlete, and I think he'll he'll strive uh, in wherever he goes. And uh, and bef- uh, staying with the wide receiver market for a moment, uh, where uh, uh, obviously two of the hottest names, uh, other hottest names on the list that I mentioned are Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson. Where do you think those guys wind up? Uh, Alshon Jeffrey's market is not as good as he thought it was going to be. He had a down year, plus a suspension. Yeah, he had a down year last year with the suspension. I think teams are hesitant on him. I think he could wind up uh, a couple different different places. He could wind up. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, I keep hearing, uh, I keep he's going to potentially, Benjamin Albright reported earlier today, where did Ben Albright have him going? Uh, 
Ben Albright, I think, had him going to uh, he had him going to Miami was the conversation. Uh, that that don't quote me on that, but I haven't talked to to Deshaun Jackson's folks. I've been on the Romo story all day, but uh, Deshaun Jackson, I think, is going to have a market as well. Jeffrey's market, I know from talking to to a couple of couple of folks around the league is is less than they thought it was going to be. They thought they thought uh, they they thought Alshon was going to enter the the free agent uh, wide receiver group as the number one guy far and away, and that he would be the guy that sets the market there. That doesn't look like it's going to be the case. It looks like that that they're going to be that somebody else is going to set that market because teams are very hesitant uh, to pay him after the season he had last year. I, I don't think that's necessarily his fault. It's it's a matter of he got not great quarterback play and he didn't and he was banged up at times it was a weird season for him but a, certainly a bad year for him to to hit the the open market in uh yeah I, I think i think that that there are a couple different landing spots that he could wind up at uh but again i think albright had uh had deshaun jackson going somewhere and i'm trying to remember where it was because i had heard kind of a similar thing from somebody and i cannot for the life of me remember what team he was um, I think a lot of buzz has uh, him uh, being heavily targeted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. Thank you. Sorry about that. I've been uh, been running you're around. You're very all, welcome. I've been running around all evening. Tampa Bay. I actually, yeah. That, funny you mentioned that. I did. Uh, I did have one conversation with somebody who kind of in passing mentioned to me that the Tampa Bay was going to target Deshaun Jackson. That was during the combine when when I was talking to folks who are out in Indy. Uh, but yeah, that was that. That's that's one one team that that will have interest in adding another receiver. They're looking for kind of a speed threat, and Jackson makes a lot of sense for for the Buccaneers. And I think he's interested uh, he's interested in, in trying to get as much money as he can. So if that deal works out on their end, that would make sense. Uh, Jeffrey, though, the, the story for me in the wide receiver class is that that Alshon Jeffrey's expectations are not going to wind up with his reality. Uh, somebody's going to pay him. But I I don't know what kind of money he's going to wind up getting on the open market. I am anxious to see um, how that receiver picture uh, eventually uh, shakes out. And once again, we thank Jake Marsing from 5280 Sports Network in Denver for joining us on our second annual free agency preview special here on Sports Crunch with D-Crom. Before you go, I want a couple bold predictions from you, Jake. Um, what free agent will strike the biggest jackpot? Oh, free agent that's going to strike the biggest jackpot, like in terms of total money? Guaranteed um, money, because it's the guaranteed money that matters the most in the NFL. Money. Because total that's the only money, money that counts. I think, I think there are a couple of guys that come to the top of my mind right away. I think Calais Campbell is going to get a big deal. Um, I, I think Calais Campbell is going to get a really really big deal from somebody uh, his market is like Malik Jackson-y kind of money uh, from somebody and that's going to be one of the bigger deals that we hear about and we should hear about that fairly quickly once the new league year happens on Thursday uh, I think Calais Campbell could be somebody uh, Mike Lennon's contract with once those figures are finally announced it's going to make people want to punch somebody in the face uh, <laughs> because they're going to be so ridiculous that Mike Lennon's getting paid like he's about to get paid uh, but I think total guaranteed money, if I had to make a bet, I'm trying to think of pass rushers that I've heard 
who could become available because the pass rush, because the, the market for finding guys who can rush the passer is always something that's going to be, that's going to be important. If I, again, if I had to make a bet, I, I think Calais Campbell might be the guy that we're talking about as uh, as the big high dollar free agent uh, of this free agency class. Now there are going to be other bigger names, but, but Calais is a guy who's going to get a ton of interest and a ton of money in fact, so much money that, that the Denver Broncos have essentially, they haven't totally cut themselves out of that conversation, um, but they're looking at other options because Campbell is just going to get paid. I mean, he's he's going to get he's going to get a big contract. Yes, and another guy expected to blow the roof uh, off is uh, AJ Boye, the, who was yeah, one of my the, favorite players yeah, to watch Texans, last year. The Texans corner. Here's the thing on AJ Boye, Decrum. Uh, there are some teams that are willing to pay him, and there are some teams that aren't. Uh, because he came out of nowhere last season. He yeah. was a he was a reserve player in in twenty six uh, in twenty excuse me two seasons ago he was a reserve player in twenty fifteen. He was a special teamer, and then all of a sudden he comes out and has this huge season. Teams are always very hesitant to pay those kind of one year wonders. So somebody will pay him. I I, I think his market might be a bit more suppressed than some people think. Uh, because of the concerns that I've heard from people from, from teams and from a couple of, of NFL uh, personnel people who think he might be, it's just always strange when somebody shows up without consistent great play and you are going to pay him like he's a superstar. Um, AJ boy had a really good season last year. He played well. Uh, but I, I think there's some teams that are a little more cautious than, than you'd think. So Boye certainly will get a big deal. Uh, but I think Calais Campbell talking just kind of across the league. Campbell's the guy who, who's getting the, the most attention uh, as somebody who could make a make a pretty big splash. And he's, he's asking a, a big dollar figure, too. He's asking Malik Jackson kind of money. That's the comparison that his folks are putting out. And he deserves it. And and as uh, they say, though, free agency isn't necessarily one with the big money signings. It is one with the value signings. And, Absolutely. Uh, and as much as uh, – and you and I are both Broncos fans for the record. And uh, both of us acknowledge John Elway's shortfalls as GM. But one thing that he's proven very good at is getting bargains in free agency. And uh, like if we saw with Darian Storton, their 2015 Super Bowl run, he was a – key part of that all-time defense and who do you think will be that best bargain free agency signing in 2017 oh um there's a guy that i heard from this morning from somebody who i kind of made sense to me i think it's chris boyd uh in in washington the the defensive line baker Baker. sorry baker my apologies Uh, i've been a long day decrop chris baker out in uh out in Washington, uh, he he's the guy. He's a guy who's going to get interest from a lot of teams. He's not necessarily on the tip of everybody's tongue. He could be a second day guy in free agency who gets a good dollar deal, but isn't going to blow the water out of everything. And his his contract is going to be fairly friendly. And his production's been pretty good in the last uh, in the last two seasons. I think nine and a half nine and a half sacks for him in the last two seasons from the nose tackle. That's something that that that'll really appeal to teams because guys don't get those kind of sack numbers from nose tackle uh, playing playing the nose. Uh, 
that that's somebody who I think could be a, a pretty good value signing. And then one guy who, who's a Broncos free agent who I think could be a pretty good value signing for somebody is Kayvon Webster. Uh, oh, yeah. Kayvon, Kayvon really he wants to stay in Denver, but he's going to get better offers and better opportunities elsewhere. I don't expect Kayvon to be a Bronco. Uh, I mean, they, they're talking to him, but I don't expect him to be Bronco. I think Kayvon could wind up being a number two corner and a really good special teams player for somebody at a pretty at a pretty darn good dollar figure. Uh, so, so teams who sign Kayvon are going to, I think, get a get a pretty good player. He's a guy on my radar also as a potential value free agent signing across the league. I uh, just look at now. I'm going through my head of Broncos free agent Sly Williams. Uh, I think is a better player than some people give him credit for. I still don't think that's a done deal that he's not coming back to Denver. By the way, but uh, but but yeah, that that's a guy I'm on on my list. So I would say. Uh, Chris Baker and uh, and uh, Kayvon Webster, the two guys who I, I look at and say those guys are going to have low dollar figures on their contracts who are going to be able to play pretty significant roles for somebody, uh, and I think that's going to be th- th- those are the two names that I would I would put out there. Jake Marsing, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again, Jake, for donating your time and your talent and your insider knowledge to our second annual free agency special. And we hope to do it again with you next year and also to have you back as a guest in the very near future as we preview the NFL draft. Absolutely, Decron. That's actually where a lot of my time is these days, is looking at these college prospects. A lot of good players in mm-hmm. this draft, a lot, a lot more than I thought oh, there were. And that's, that's a good thing for NFL teams. It absolutely is, and I definitely look, at, look forward to having that conversation with you in the near future. And Jake Marsing, you can follow him on Twitter at Jake D. Marsing, and he writes for 5280 Sports Network in Denver, also covers the Nuggets as well. He's a big NBA guy, and you could talk to him about his uh, past in politics as well. This guy is, uh, has a beautiful, diverse mind, and uh, he's fun to be around. And... Uh, and that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with D. Crom. But join us next week as we begin our countdown to the 2017 NFL Draft with a look at this year's quarterback class. And for Jake Marsing, our producer, man in the box, Chris Broadhead, I'm David Cromwell saying so long and stay awesome. <laughs>